my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 630. Welcome in. Um, oh, I'm doing so good. Like, life... Um, I got asked a Patreon question about, um, like life and philosophy. I'll answer that later. Um, but I will say, I don't think anyone, I feel like it's possible cause I haven't shared publicly very much of what's gone on in my life the last two, three years. And it's been, uh, I've shared tidbits. I know people know I was once engaged. I've lived in Hawaii twice in the last three years. I've been on and off and back and forth and doing all kinds of jobs. Um, it's, it's been hell, honestly. And um, this is the first time in like years where I'm like, oh, things are good. I'm headed in a good direction. I've been going to therapy. Like actually straight up, I, I have so much excitement about the future of, of life. And, uh, I think that's a very, very cool, very exciting thing. Let's jump in. I got to tell you about our sponsor today. Number one, prize picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections. And in 60 seconds, you can enter something like, Patrick Mahomes throwing for over 250 yards, Debo Samuel having over 100 yards receiving, and maybe Brock Purdy throwing more than two interceptions. If your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes watching games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into $50. Prize Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay, and they have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday where each Tuesday, Prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash CLNS using code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy made Easy. All right. Uh, obviously, like the big theme of today's show is going to be the Super Bowl. We'll talk a lot about it. Uh, we'll talk about. I mean, I I have plans. I'm not gonna lie. You guys on Patreon weren't very interested in telling me about your plans and your favorite snacks. I thought that would be more of a fun thing, and y'all y'all really didn't seem to care. Like I got like two or three write-ins about snacks and who they're watching with, and that was about it. So clearly not an exciting topic to you guys. I'm gonna talk about my strategy. Um, but a lot of today's show is going to be, I've got a really, um, I've got a prediction I'm very nervous about when it comes to this Super Bowl. I've got a, a strong opinion, might you, might you even say. Uh, I think I know who's going to win. I've got a reason why. We'll talk about all of it. Um, I'm, I'm very scared. I've learned I'm gun shy when it comes to making predictions because I get attacked when I'm wrong. And I'm learning to let go of that. I'm trying to anyway. Um, but let me, before we do talk, before we talk about the Super Bowl and talk about all that other stuff. Um, I, I want to share some news around the NFL and around the football world. First of all, today, uh, it is Wednesday, February 7th. I don't want to be clear. I usually record Tuesday nights, but it's been hectic. Like next week episode will not be recorded in this room. It'll be recorded in another room entirely. Uh, and it'll be, <laughs> I, I, my life is in chaos, but I'm enjoying it. Um, and I'm doing the best I can. So it's Wednesday today, Wednesday morning, we found out what Nick Saban is doing next. Nick Saban, the legendary college football coach, I would argue the best college football coach of all time. He is not exactly retiring. He is going to be joining ESPN and joining College Game Day, which makes me very, very, 
Very excited. Do you know, I have never, other than the times I worked on College Game Day, I've never watched College Game Day in my life. I've watched clips of it. I've seen Pat McAfee on it. It's hilarious and fun. I think I think I might actually like sit down and on a Saturday morning, I, I see my life next fall being much more suburban and mundane and like in, in a positive way where like I have my own place and I can wake up, I can turn the TV on, turn the volume up and it can be on all day. Um, and I want to watch college game day next year. That's a really big thing to me because I want to watch Nick Saban. I know he's got so much insight and it makes me really excited. I cannot wait to watch Nick Saban talk about the thing he knows so well, college football. Like, is there anyone else more qualified to talk about college football than the man himself, Nick Saban? I don't think so. And so that makes me really excited for the future there. Um, I wonder what Bill Belichick is going to do. I'm not really sure. I think the, the best NFL coach of all time and best college coach of all time are not going to be coaching this year, which is very weird. What is Bill Belichick going to do? We know Nick Saban's next move. I really want to see Bill Belichick broadcasting in some way. I don't I don't really care how or what, but I want to hear the man involved with football and talking about football because Bill Belichick, I think for a long time, has not allowed his personality to come through. Bill Belichick is such a, um, he's he's been kind of a curmudgeon and held his cards close to his vest his entire career. But I did watch clips of him on college game day when um, New England, the like Foxborough basically, hosted the Army-Navy game. And Bill Belichick has quite a cool personality that I think would be, I would love to see Bill Belichick talk about football. The same way we're going to see Nick Saban do this fall. If he's not going to coach, it's it's a waste to me to have one of the best football minds in the world, Bill Belichick, not involved with football. That's tragic. Now, if he wants to, pardon my friends, fuck off and go to the beach and just live in Barbados or something, more power to you, Bill. I love you. You've earned the right to do whatever you want. But I, I think it would be incredible to see Bill Belichick talk about football the way it sounds like we're going to hear Nick Saban talk about football this fall. And I cannot wait. So that's that's news story number one. I know Super Bowl. Everyone wants to hear about the Super Bowl today. We're going to get to it. I promise. Um, but another two more coaches were hired in the NFL. The final two jobs were filled in the NFL First of all, the Seattle Seahawks hired Mike McDonald as their new head coach. Mike McDonald was once the Michigan defensive coordinator working with Jim Harbaugh. Then he went from Jim to John Harbaugh, worked with the Ravens, was the Ravens defensive coordinator. I watched the entire introductory press conference with Mike McDonald uh, in Seattle. The word that comes to mind is boring. Right. And I say that with a smile. Boring. Not a bad thing. I don't think you need to have a coach come in and have an introductory press conference and give these like incredible stories and be really entertaining or really cringy. I, I don't have a problem with the fact that Mike McDonald was boring to listen to talk about football and hear about, you know, talk about his new job and how excited he is to be part of Seattle Seahawks. Uh, actually, a, a word that you might pair with boring is stable. Stability. Right. I think it's, we don't know what kind of coach Mike McDonald is going to be. He's never been a head coach before. I'm not going to pretend like I can make a bunch of predictions and tell you, this guy's going to do this, this guy's going to do that. We have no idea. And let me write down a note, coaches, because as we head into the offseason, one of the things we're going to talk about, we'll do predictions versus reality after the Super Bowl. And on the podcast, we get to talk about, hey, which coach that was hired going into last year in 2023 did the best as a rookie coach? Probably clearly D'Amico Ryan, so we'll talk about it. That'll be a fun conversation probably next week's show or the, two weeks from now. 
But I don't know how Mike McDonald is going to do. Ne- this time next year, we'll know how we did. And we'll know, was it a good hire? Do we feel good about it? Are they headed in a good direction or not? Um, all I can share with you is my assumption, my prediction, the way I feel about it. I would call it probably the worst first impression about Mike McDonald. I got a vibe that he's really stable, right? He's, he's not a rah-rah guy. He's not loud. He's not going to say anything outrageous. Um, stability is the word. And he's a very, very well-respected young defensive coach with good ideas to, I think, get the best out of the young players they have in Seattle. Because Seattle's roster, they got a lot of really young, talented players that are exciting and worthy of being excited about. So Mike McDonald coming over from Baltimore, I think it's really interesting. And he's a defensive coach, which I know I've talked a lot about. I don't love defensive head coaches. If I were a team with a young quarterback, I would never in a million years hire a defensive head coach because I would want the coach who's going to work closely with the quarterback to be my head coach. I think it's part of why Mike Vrabel didn't get hired. I think it's part of why Bill Belichick didn't get hired. People want, if you have a problem at quarterback, the coach you hire to be your head coach, you want to be the guy also working hand in hand with your young quarterback. But Seattle doesn't have that problem. Seattle's got Geno Smith. They've got Drew Locke behind him. It's a veteran quarterback room in Seattle. So I'm not very worried about them hiring a defensive head coach because the quarterback situation is locked down. What they really need, in my opinion, is a young guy with new ideas on the defensive side of the football because the group in Seattle is ready to play good defense, I believe, with the right coaching. He's going to be the play caller on defense. I really, I don't, strongly love this hire. We'll see how it works out. But I don't have, I I am putting a positive spin on it because I think, again, young guy, good ideas, young team, talented players, it makes sense to me. They moved off of Pete Carroll. They loved him. They respected him, but it was time for new ideas and they're going to get that with Mike McDonald. Um, I am very, very interested to see how things work out with Mike McDonald as a head coach in Seattle. We go from Seattle, Washington to Washington, D.C. The Washington Commanders also hired a new head coach. They hired Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn was once the Seattle Seahawks actually defensive coordinator, then became the Falcons head coach. Remember, Dan Quinn took Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons to a Super Bowl. They had a giant lead over the Patriots. They lost. His offensive coordinator was Kyle Shanahan. Dan Quinn lost his job eventually in Atlanta, failed as head coach a couple times. They blew leads. They weren't very good. He eventually got hired as the defensive coordinator in Dallas, and he's been there for a while. Um, This is really interesting. Washington hiring Dan Quinn. I thought Dan Quinn was going to be the head coach in Seattle, Washington, not Washington, D.C. And we know Washington has a young quarterback. That's, you don't love that. Remember, it's a defensive head coach who's going to be working with a young quarterback, whether that's Caleb Williams, because they might draft him out of USC if they can move up in the draft, or Sam Howell, their young quarterback they have currently in Washington. Here's the silver lining. Not only did Washington hire Dan Quinn, they also hired Cliff Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator. Cliff Kingsbury was a, I mean, fr- frankly, he's never been a very good head coach. He was head coach at Texas Tech and then Arizona with the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury has never like, really won as a head coach. But he is a good offensive mind. I've got an open mind here. He was an offensive assistant last year at USC working with Caleb Williams. 
He was hired as a Raiders offensive coordinator, but then backed out before they could sign a contract because I think he saw the writing on the wall. I want to go work in Washington. I'm going to have more control in Washington. Sounds like Dan Quinn has learned a lot from his time as a head coach before in Atlanta and said, look, I mean, let me very clear. I watched the, the introductory press conference from Dan Quinn. One of the things Dan Quinn said that I really loved, he said, look, I'm a better coach now than I was years ago when I was a Falcons head coach. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot. And Dan Quinn, the new head coach in Washington, said, one of the things I failed at before as a head coach is I had my hands in everything. I was trying to do more than was humanly possible for a head coach. I had to learn how to delegate. I would imagine part of the sales pitch to hire Cliff Kingsbury was, look, Cliff, you've been a head coach. You know how hard it is. I'll run the defensive side of the football. You run the offensive side of the football. I'm going to give you free reign. You have freedom to do your thing. I trust you. We'll figure it out. I think he's going to delegate a lot to Cliff Kingsbury. And he got Cliff Kingsbury, who was a terrible head coach. I think probably should never be a head coach again, if I'm totally honest. Um, Maybe he stays there for a long time. And then it solves that problem. Hey, if the quarterback does really well, the offensive coordinator is eventually going to leave. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going to have the option to leave for quite a long time. He was a terrible head coach in Arizona. Not good. Um, I, I think he probably could run the offense for two, three years in Washington if it goes well. And so by the time maybe he does leave eventually to a new opportunity, assuming the young quarterback does well, whoever that may, may be, Sam Howell, Caleb Williams, whatever, by then that young quarterback will be established enough to maybe transition to a new offensive coordinator without falling apart. I actually think I'm trying to put a positive spin here. Dan Quinn is a dude who's been around the block. He knows, he's very aware of the mistakes he made before. I think he's trying to do differently. I'm, I've got an open mind about the second chance here with Dan Quinn in Washington. It was so compelling to me what he said about, look, I'm a better coach than I used to be. I've learned lessons from my failures. And to me, that just on a human level really spoke to me. And so Cliff Kingsbury, the offensive coordinator in Washington, Dan Quinn, the head coach, got a defensive head coach, an offensive coordinator who was a terrible head coach, and they can delegate and work together. Look, I'm not going to promise you they're going to win their division. Nothing crazy. But it's interesting. I find it a good storyline, if nothing else. And so uh, I'm trying to have a positive mindset when it comes to Washington and them hiring a defensive head coach, Dan Quinn. But man, is Washington going to trade up for Kayla Williams? Are they going to move up in the draft? They've got the number two pick. Chicago's got the number one pick. It would be really cool if Caleb Williams went to Washington. Remember, Caleb Williams played high school football in the Washington, D.C. area. Hey, the guy who just worked with him at USC is now the offensive coordinator. The stars are aligning, and I I really am, am expecting Washington to try hard to make a move to go get Caleb Williams. And uh, it really just comes down to, does Chicago want him or not? That's the question. Does Chicago? I can't wait for this draft, by the way. This year's draft, April 2024, is going to be so, so interesting because there's going to be trades. There's a lot of moves to be had before the draft starts. What will Chicago do? Are they going to draft Caleb Williams? Are they going to build around Justin Fields? Who is going to be the quarterback in Atlanta next year? Is Justin Fields going to get traded? I just, I feel such a sense of there's a lot of things that are going to happen after the Super Bowl. So from middle of February to end of April when the draft happens. It's going to be a wild, wild time in the NFL with lots of news and lots of things happening. And I just cannot wait to see it play out. It's going to be really fun. And, uh, oh man. Now, 
you notice Seattle hired Mike McDonald. Washington hired Dan Quinn. And we I, we knew last episode when I talked about this that Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, had bowed out and said, I don't want to be a head coach in Washington or Seattle. Uh, I'm tapping out. So Washington was able to, sorry, Detroit, excuse me. The Detroit Lions were able to hold on to their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. They also were able to hold on to their defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn. Do you know what this means? Detroit has an opportunity to run it back. They kept everybody in Detroit. Ben Johnson's there, the offensive coordinator, the guy who works with Jared Goff so well. You've got Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, saying, I really think Detroit's got another opportunity next year to run it back and do really well. And maybe Detroit can finish the job. I want to say this very clearly. When Detroit lost the NFC title game, they lost to the 49ers. I think it was good for them. If you're going to lose in the championship game, like the NFC championship game or the Super Bowl, I think it's better if you lose in the NFC title game, the game to get into the Super Bowl, than if you lose the Super Bowl. So if Detroit wasn't going to win the Super Bowl, things worked out best for them. They're hungry. They lost, but it's not too devastating. They can regroup and come back next year. How good are the Packers going to be? How good is Detroit going to be? Or, or sorry, is uh, Chicago going to be? What's Minnesota going to look like? Who can challenge Detroit in the NFC North? We'll find out. But the fact that Detroit kept both coordinators in Detroit is a big deal. They kept the group together. It's really compelling. It's really interesting. And I want to be... I want to defend Jared Goff a little bit. We'll talk about this more later in the episode, but actually, you know what? Let's save it. I've got a, a defense for Jared Goff, but uh, we do have a Patreon question about it. So let's save that. We'll, we'll get to it later. Unless, you know what? Now's a good time. Let's answer that Patreon question right now. Can we find it in all of my many, many notes? That is the question. Okay. Kyron writes in. Kyron says, Hi, Zach. I was talking to a coworker, and he said he believes Jared Goff is the worst quarterback that you realistically could win a Super Bowl with. The Niners are a great example since they're a stacked roster who's the worst possible quarterback you could see winning a Super Bowl with the 49ers. To me, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, and Brock Purdy himself are interesting candidates, but there are tons, are tons of options. Quarterbacks who are perpetual playoff chokers such as Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, or Dak Prescott are also interesting to me. If they could win a Super Bowl with the Niners, thanks, Zach. So, first of all, who is the worst possible quarterback who could win a Super Bowl with the 49ers? Maybe Brock Purdy. He may not win a Super Bowl, so we're not sure. Um, I, I think it's weird we've never seen Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach, paired with a great quarterback. It's kind of sad. Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds Alive. I mean, he's a really, really incredible offensive coach. But in his career, he's had Matt Ryan once. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, one MVP with him, and then he left. As a head coach in San Francisco, he's had Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, and Brock Purdy. He's never had truly a great quarterback. Frankly, in San Francisco, the 49ers have never even had a Kirk Cousins level quarterback. Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, one of these, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 best quarterback in the NFL. They never even had that. Kirk Cousins, I'm pretty confident, could win a Super Bowl to 49ers. I really believe that. And, I mean, who's the worst possible quarterback that could win a Super Bowl to 49ers? Probably like Ryan Tannehill, straight up. I think that would be interesting to see what would happen there. Um, 
But I, I want to take this question aside. The 49ers are really good. And it's weird we've never seen like a Derek Carr level quarterback even with Kyle Shannon. He's always had kind of crappy, kind of underwhelming quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a, a physical threat in any way. Doesn't have a huge arm. Not a great runner. Threw a lot of ugly balls like ducks that were just terrible throws. I was never a huge fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and so, man, it, it really is. It, it's a shame we've never seen Kyle Shannon with a great quarterback. But I want to focus on Jared Goff. Jared Goff, the Detroit Lions quarterback, is, to me, monumentally underappreciated. We have this, like, maybe a habit as society to not appreciate things that are good. Um, I don't know why that is. I, I know, um, even like, I think the best analogy possible is in my last relationship, I probably had... 80 to 85% of my needs met. I was really happy. I was treated really well. Things were really good. But I was always focused on, instead of the 85% I was getting taken care of, I was focused on the 20 to 15% of things that I, I, I wanted that I wasn't getting. And so focused on the negative, like laser focused on the negative things. And now my perspective has really changed and said, we should just focus on the good things. Let good things be good. Enjoy them. And stop nitpicking all the little things that could be better. Jared Goff is giving you 80 to 85% of what you need as a quarterback to win the Super Bowl. If not more. Like, do you really believe Jared Goff isn't good enough to win a Super Bowl? He got the Lions to the NFC title game. Had a big lead over the 49ers. If they kick the field goal on fourth down on the 30-yard line with seven minutes left, we're looking at a tie game between Detroit and San Francisco. Jared Goff was a couple plays away from playing in the Super Bowl this year. He's been to another Super Bowl before, by the way. With the LA Rams. Jared Goff's good enough for sure to win a Super Bowl. And I think Kyron's coworker saying he believes Jared Goff is the worst quarterback you could realistically win a Super Bowl with. It's a bit uncool. What does that even mean? Like, why are we taking shots at Jared Goff? I'm sorry he's not Lamar Jackson. I'm sorry Jared Goff isn't Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert. But he's not just like, okay, he's really dang good. Like, Jared Goff does a lot of high level stuff that. I think in our, going back to what I said to start this topic is that we struggle to appreciate like a seven or eight out of 10. We pay a lot of attention to things that are awful in this world. When it's, when everyone can agree that it's terrible, we all, we, we crap on it. We hate on it. It's very easy to do. And when something is the best we've ever seen, I don't know, Taylor Swift or, you know, where you're just like the best in your field or you are Patrick Mahomes, you're the best ever to play probably. Or we, we really appreciate the big, shiny, amazing object that's like head and shoulders better than everything. We love the extremes. We love the extremely bad and we love the extremely good. But the really solid in the middle, the reliable, the stable, maybe not as flashy, but definitely good enough, successful. We don't seem to appreciate in our society. It's very weird. So I would challenge anyone. If you hate on Jared Goff, uh, I don't know, man. Like, what are you doing? Why? And are you the kind of person who was like I was before, always focus on the negative couple things you're not getting rather than all of the good things that come with a quarterback like Jared Goff? I challenge you. And look at your own relationships. Are you the kind of person who, when you look at your dating relationship, are you always focused on the negative two or three things you're not getting? And not appreciating all of the good things that come along with what you have in your relationship. It's the same thing with a quarterback. As a Lions fan, as a football fan, 
We should appreciate Jared Goff. Dude, first of all, off the field, Jared Goff is incredible. He donates a ton of money, works really hard with charities, but he also, on the field, great leader, never had a problem, no drama, makes really good decisions. He's highly accurate. He knows their offense incredibly well. He makes good decisions at the line of scrimmage. There are so many more good things about Jared Goff than the couple negative things. What's a negative thing about Jared Goff? He can't run like crazy well. He doesn't have a, he can't run like Lamar Jackson. Can he make every throw? Yes. Can Jared Goff, uh, is he super accurate? Yes. Um, does he understand the offense at a high level? Yes. Is he ever been a problem when it comes to locker room stuff? No, not at all. In fact, people love him. There are way more positives to Jared Goff than there are negatives. And I just challenge anyone out there, we got to do a better job of appreciating the good things that aren't extremely good. If you're not extremely good or extremely bad, we, we pay attention to those extremes a lot. But we never seem to focus on the 8 out of 10, the 85 out of 100, the 7 out of 10. Those things that are, man, they're pretty stable and they're pretty good and they take care of us and uh, we don't appreciate them. So those are my thoughts, man. Um, J- Jared Goff is awesome. And I really, uh, I-, I just, like I said, I think the list of good things he provides and brings to the table are so much more abundant than that list. That list of good things he brings is so long compared to the list of things that Jared Goff cannot do. And so I think we're, we're way, way, way too hard on Jared Goff. In fact, like, think back to Jared Goff. I would rather have Jared Goff than Dak Prescott, quite frankly. I've seen Dak Prescott choke in a lot of key moments at the end of a game in a big game. The times Jared Goff has lost, he lost the Super Bowl early on in his career to the Patriots, uh, and he could have been better, for sure. But recently, Jared Goff, when has he like had a horrible moment where he choked and was terrible? Lions fans might know, but I can't think of any, uh, genuinely. Like, was he the reason why they didn't win the game against the 49ers in the NFC title game? No, I don't think so. I think it was a bad coaching mistake by Dan Campbell, their head coach. So uh, I guess the message here, we got to do a better job of appreciating stuff in our lives. And uh, Jared Goff, for sure to me, is one of those things we have to do a better job of appreciating. So back to what I was talking about. The Lions held on to both coordinators. And I think that's really exciting and interesting as we move to- forward. Uh, and Detroit regroups to try to be better next year. They got a shot, I think, to go back. And uh, that's going to be really fun and really interesting. By the way, uh, before we do another ad read and talk about the Super Bowl, um, I'm still baffled and almost even like offended that the Pittsburgh Steelers have hired Arthur Smith to be their new offensive coordinator. I, I said it last week. What in the fuck are they doing? I don't understand. How in the world do you watch the Atlanta Falcons last year? And... Look at their offense and look at how horribly Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and B. John Robinson were utilized. How do you look at Atlanta's offense last year and go, yeah, that's the guy I want to hire to be my offensive coordinator? Arthur Smith? What the hell are you doing? I don't understand. Now, let me be fair to Arthur Smith. I've got a positive spin we can put on it if you want. A lot of guys who have been head coaches before that were good coordinators talk about how when they become a head coach, they've got way more responsibility 
Dan Quinn even talked about this, the new Washington coach. He said, when I was a head coach in Atlanta, actually, ironically, same team, he had his hands in everything. He was way too involved in trying to do too much. Maybe Arthur Smith as a head coach had a poorly run offense because he was just overwhelmed with the responsibility of being a head coach and couldn't properly tend to all the tasks he needed to do and also design a good offense. So maybe his sales pitch to Mike Tomlin, who hired him in Pittsburgh, was, look, I'm not going to be a head coach anymore. I don't got to worry about hiring and firing people. I don't got to worry about the defense. I don't got to worry about scheduling all this stuff. I can just worry about the offense and follow the plan. You can delegate to me. I can run the offense. Maybe that's what's going to happen in Pittsburgh. But even when Arthur Smith was just the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, he was the guy who, he had Marcus Mariota at quarterback, benched him, put in Ryan Tannehill, and revived Ryan Tannehill's career. That offense was built on running the football with Derrick Henry. Maybe the plan is to build the offense around Jalen Waddle. Sorry, Jalen Waddle. Um, what's the name of that running back? Jalen Warren, I believe, and Najee Harris. Maybe that's their offense. They're going to run the ball heavily. And like Arthur Smith has always done with his quarterbacks, not trust a quarterback in Pittsburgh, whether that's Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph or whoever. I, I'm just bewildered. I don't understand the philosophy behind hiring Arthur Smith to be your offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. I don't get it. It's very weird to me. Maybe that's our plan, though. Maybe they're like, look, we're going to build an offense that runs the football a ton. We got Kenny Pickett. We don't trust him, so let's just not trust him because that's what Arthur Smith— if you ever watched an Arthur Smith-run offense, whether that was Tennessee or Atlanta, he just fundamentally does not trust his quarterback to throw the football in big moments. It's very weird to me. And I, I don't know why Arthur Smith keeps getting jobs in the NFL, if I'm totally honest. I just don't get it. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to be wrong. Maybe Arthur Smith goes to Pittsburgh next year and is unbelievable. He's a great coordinator. I, I have seen no evidence in the last five years to suggest that. Like, I, I don't get it. I, I really, I didn't understand when Atlanta hired him as head coach. And I didn't understand why they kept him so long. Watching the Atlanta Falcons offense last year made me feel terrible and frustrated and now I still do not understand why Pittsburgh would give him a job. I don't understand at all, fundamentally, what's going on in Pittsburgh, why they think hiring Arthur Smith is a good idea at all. All right. Um, this episode is brought to you by Factor. Factor Meal Kits is offering 50% off to listeners of this show. Go to factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code SOS50 at factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. If you don't know, Factor is a meal kit service where they send you ready-to-eat meals that are easy to prepare. They showed up in a box with a bunch of high-quality ice packs. You put the meal kits in the fridge and when you want food, you go to the fridge, you pick up the food, you put the food in the microwave, and about two, three minutes later, you've got restaurant-quality food ready to go. A great meal, hot and ready. It's never frozen, high-quality ingredients, and compared to all the other options you can have for a quick and easy meal, I would say that Factor Meal Kits is the best. Uh, also, this is really interesting to me. There are so many different ways you can customize your order. Uh, hey, the girl I'm seeing, by the way, 
eats like all of her lunches with Factor Meal Kits. She's a lawyer. She's killing it. She's at the office all day. She pulls it out of the fridge. She has, and you can you can customize how many orders you pick up. You want six? Do you want eighteen? They can make it work. Maybe you're on a diet. Maybe you're trying to cut calories. They've got low calorie options. Factor can meet you where you want to be. You can customize it however you want. Maybe you just want a good meal that doesn't take 30 minutes to an hour to prepare. Like for me, I'm really busy right now. I've got two jobs technically. So it's really valuable for me to go to my fridge, pull out a good meal, put it in the fridge, put it in the microwave and bang, it's ready to go. Having a good meal waiting for me in my fridge is a huge relief. And to have restaurant quality food in two to three minutes, it's awesome. I saved a lot of time. It's also cheaper and better for you than other options. You've got 50% off with code SOS50 compared to takeout or delivery. Guys, those prices are not good compared to Factor. And again, if you want a high quality meal quickly, I recommend Factor. Factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code SOS50 at factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your, while your subscription is active. Again, given the value and the quality of the ingredients, I think it would be silly for you not to look into factormeals.com. All right, guys, um, let's talk about the Super Bowl because we've got I guess it's prediction time, which um, I hate. I hate, hate making predictions. Um, People want them. And unfortunately, I have a prediction where I I feel strongly about what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. I don't I don't like making predictions because I open myself up to criticism. (laughs) Right. I hate getting attacked. And I hate that if I say one thing is going to happen. And then I'm wrong. I'm going to get a ton of messages Sunday night after the Super Bowl saying, you're wrong. You're an idiot. I'm a blah, blah, blah fan. And you suck at your job. Blah. Like, I don't, I hate all that. Uh, I'm trying to learn how to not listen to comments, but it does bother me. However, I feel really strongly about this Super Bowl. Um, I, I think I've got a team that I believe is going to win um, for a, not even like a silly, you know, I, I see all the, the jokes. It's Taylor Swift attending her 13th game and four plus nine equals 13. It's the Super Bowl happening on February 11th to 11. That equals 13. It's 13 hours from Japan to Las Vegas. Like all the, the Taylor Swift nonsense points to the, the 49ers uh, losing and the Chiefs winning. I got nothing like that. Um, I watched a lot of film of Brock Purdy this week. Uh, I watched the Packers game. I went back and I watched the Lions game and for sure, like by far, the number one thing to pay attention to in this Super Bowl is the matchup between Brock Purdy and the Kansas City Chiefs defense. It's not even close. We know Patrick Mahomes is going to score a lot of points. We know the 49ers defense is awesome, but Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be really interesting. He's going to have highlight real plays and do all kinds of stuff. But the matchup to pay attention to, Brock Purdy against that really good Chiefs defense. Do you realize that the Chiefs defense made Lamar Jackson, an NFL MVP, look pedestrian a little over a week ago in the AFC title game? It was, I think, a really, really impressive defensive performance. We have, there's, like, Lamar left some things on the table. I think there were moments where Lamar Jackson could have taken off and run. But, man, the coverage was great. They disguised coverages really well. 
They are really effective when they blitz the Chiefs' defenses. And when you contrast how well the Chiefs' defense has played in their run, their playoff run to the Super Bowl, then you look at the 49ers' playoff run. And frankly, how bad Brock Purdy has been during this playoff run. Really bad against the Green Bay Packers. Like, there were so many... And and what's interesting about watching Brock Purdy play against the Packers is that he made, like, a one bad decision that was painful. Uh, He had an interception dropped. But a lot of what Brock Purdy did was make the right read. The ball went to the right receiver, but he was inaccurate. He struggled with the rain. He struggled... You know, he threw a lot of really ugly footballs. You're like, that's... It's the right read. That's the right decision. It's a bad ball. Like It's a physical miss. Thankfully, in Las Vegas, they play in a dome. And even if they didn't, it's not going to rain in Vegas anyway. But Brock Purdy's had a really, really bad playoff run. Then against the Detroit Lions, he was better in the second half, but in the first half, also not good. Really concerning. Really bad. Now, I, I really like Brock Purdy as a human being. I find him really fascinating and intriguing. One of the cool things about Brock Purdy is that the dude has a lot of confidence in himself and feels really, really unfazed by the moment. Like, this is not—Brock um, Purdy's not awful as a quarterback. He's probably, like, the 15th best quarterback in football. Middle of the road. This is not Rex Grossman getting carried by an incredible Bears defense in 2006, losing a Super Bowl to Peyton Manning. I don't think it's comparable quite to Rex Grossman with that— Bears team. Remember, Devin Hester ran the game-winning kickoff, the game-opening uh, kickoff back for a touchdown, and and then Rex Grossman played terrible and threw multiple interceptions in the rain in Miami against the Colts. This is not Rex Grossman playing quarterback for the 49ers, but he he's he's certainly underwhelming physically. Not a great throw of the football. Not a great athlete. He's not a terrible athlete. He can run around a little bit, but my concern is that. I'm going to predict Brock Purdy to have a, a a tough game against a really good defense. And then Brock Purdy just comes out and wins MVP. Like, he's going to make me look silly. I, I really acknowledge that the coolest thing about Brock Purdy is he just doesn't seem to care about the stats, the numbers. He doesn't care how they win. The moment doesn't seem too big for him. I saw a really great moment where Brock Purdy was asked about, he said, do you remember the quarterbacks drafted ahead of you? And Brock Purdy was like, no, I, I really don't. I don't pay attention to that. I find that really interesting and really, really cool that Brock Purdy's not a petty guy. He's just focused on winning and doing his job as best he can. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. But again, Brock Purdy's playing against a really, really good defense. And two games in a row, Brock Purdy's been like concerningly bad. I don't know. Uh, do you have any concerns that Patrick Mahomes is going to score points? No. Do you have any concerns that the Chiefs are going to be fun to watch, score a lot of points? No, I I don't. When I look at the Chiefs' side of the football on offense, they're fine. And the Chiefs' defense all year has made plays. They play great coverage. One of the things they do really well is that they they disguise blitzes really well, so you won't know where pressure's coming from. You snap the ball. Oh, crap. We got a free rusher coming off the right because I didn't expect that. It's an interesting matchup because Brock Purdy— is not a great thrower of the football, not super tall, not super fast, doesn't have a huge physical skill set. The thing Brock Purdy hangs his hat on, the thing he's supposed to be really good at, is understanding their system, handling pressure, and reading defenses. 
So I think it's strength on strength. The things that Brock Purdy does well are the things you need to beat the Chiefs defense. But I can't in good conscience look at the way that the Chiefs played against Josh Allen and then against Lamar Jackson. And then also look at how Brock Purdy played against the Packers defense and the Lions defense. I can't in good conscience tell you that I am confident and comfortable that Brock Purdy is going to beat Kansas City in the Super Bowl. So my prediction is this. I think that it's going to be a close game. Uh, It's a Super Bowl. They're often close. But I also, I, I genuinely think it's a good matchup. The 49ers have a better team on paper. They've got a really good coach, Kyle Shanahan. But it's going to come down to Brock Purdy. Like, I think there's so much pressure on Brock Purdy. And I personally, based on the way he's played during this playoff run, and then based on the way Kansas City's played on defense, I I have no confidence that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. So my personal prediction is I think Kansas City's going to win on Sunday. uh, A close game. But there's going to be key moments. It's actually probably very similar to last time the 49ers played in a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo was their quarterback, where there's going to be a play or two where Brock Purdy isn't good enough, and it's going to cost him. Remember that deep ball Jimmy Garoppolo had last time Kansas City played the 49ers in a Super Bowl? Four years ago, Jimmy Garoppolo had a guy open deep for the game-winning touchdown and missed the throw. I worry we're going to get a moment like that on Sunday where... It's the look is there, everything's right, but Mr. Brock Purdy is going to miss the throw, and it's going to be painful and disappointing. Uh, but that's a reality. There's a lot of characters here in the Super Bowl that I'm really interested in in talking about, though. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is trying to win his third Super Bowl. He's uh, been to four. This is his fourth Super Bowl. He's been to. He's won two, lost one. This would be his third Super Bowl victory. Patrick Mahomes is trying to chase down Tom Brady. And, um, you know, there's a lot of conversations this week uh, about the pace Patrick Mahomes is on and how long it's going to take him to catch Tom Brady. But he currently is on pace to do that uh, with playoff wins, with basically every stat and uh, maybe even Super Bowl victories. I know that's wild, but he's only 28. He's in his fourth Super Bowl. Winning here would be huge for Patrick Mahomes. So, um I think a question that needs to be asked is, who do you want to win? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Like, if you had to pick a situation, I would really like to see Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl. I think it'd be so cool to see the guy, Mr. Irrelevant, the guy last in the draft, the guy that, how do I say this properly? I think Brock Purdy, I said it earlier, he's like the 15th best quarterback in football. He's not top 10. He's not amazing, but he is a franchise quarterback. He does a lot of really good stuff, and as long as he's paid at the market value he brings to the table, he's a good bet. I I like Brock Purdy a lot. He's awesome. The 49ers love him. And to see Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl would be so, so exciting. So to be clear, I think I'm actually rooting for the 49ers. Despite my belief that they're going to lose, I really want to see the 49ers win. I'm in no hurry to watch Patrick Mahomes win another Super Bowl. Like, he's, he's won so many before... Um, I don't really like the idea of someone challenging Tom Brady's records. I love Tom Brady, my favorite player of all time. 
I'm fine if Patrick Mahomes loses. And you realize if Patrick Mahomes does win a Super Bowl on Sunday, Monday morning, all the conversation is going to be about him catching Tom Brady. I don't want that conversation. I don't want to talk about that. So I think I'm, I'm personally rooting for Brock Purdy and the 49ers to win. And I'm also rooting for Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan has been to multiple Super Bowls. He was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. They had a giant lead over the Patriots. They blew that lead and Atlanta lost. Then four years ago, Kyle Shanahan took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. And they lost because their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion, wasn't good enough. And so if Kyle Shanahan loses another Super Bowl this year, I think people are going to start to believe a narrative that he's not good enough to win big games, which I think is nonsense, by the way. Kyle Shanahan's won a lot of big games. NFC title games, big-time playoff games, but he's never won a Super Bowl. And uh, I'd like to see uh, Kyle Shanahan win a Super Bowl. I I really would enjoy that. Um, And Andy Reid's got two already. This would be his... If Andy Reid loses this Super Bowl... This is the Chiefs head coach. Andy Reid will have, he will be now two and three in the Super Bowl. He's won two, he's lost two. He's, this is his fifth Super Bowl appearance. He lost two with Philly. If Andy Reid loses this Super Bowl, he will have a losing record in Super Bowl appearances. He'll be two and three overall. Won two of the five appearances. That does stink, but I also don't think, I personally don't think Andy Reid's going anywhere. He loves football. I don't think he's going to retire. To me, this doesn't feel like the last opportunity Andy Reid's going to have to win a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. So I, I just selfishly, I think because of the the rarity and the struggles that Kyle Shanahan's had, the story of Brock Purdy, the guy who came out of nowhere, nobody believes in him. I myself don't even seem to believe in him. I would really, really like to see Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl. And I don't feel any need to see Patrick Mahomes win another one. We've seen that multiple times. And uh, I'd like to see the wealth get shared a little bit throughout the NFL. And there are so many people I know that are 49ers fans that would be so, so happy to watch their team win a Super Bowl. So um, I am rooting for the 49ers, but I do also believe that the Chiefs are going to win. Does that make sense? Now, also, let's be very clear about me, Zach Schalmer, psychologically. (laughs) I I self-sabotage a lot. It's a, a thing I've gone to therapy for. Uh, right, I don't enjoy good things. And so to protect my heart a lot, I often hope for the best and prepare for the worst. The thing I'm hoping for is to watch Brock Purdy hosting that Super Bowl trophy, maybe even MVP throwing four touchdowns and winning. That's what I want to see on Sunday. I want to see Brock Purdy win. But he's had two bad playoff games. He's made some terrible throws in this playoff run. He's playing a great defense, Kansas City. So protect my heart, maybe. My, I hope for one thing, but prepare for another. I am prepared to watch Kansas City win on Sunday and Brock Purdy be the reason why they lose. Be the reason why the 49ers lose. I'm prepared for Brock Purdy to be the weak link on the 49ers roster on Sunday. Now, there is one more thing we have to talk about that whether you like it or not is part of the Super Bowl. Do you know what I'm going to talk about next? Do you have any idea? What is the one thing that I would say, whether you like it or not, it plays a role in this Super Bowl? Maybe not in the game. Maybe not in the on-field stuff. But certainly, it's a part of the conversation. It's Taylor Swift. 
Taylor Swift, uh, a lot of people. I, I think this could be the highest rated Super Bowl ever by a lot. I, the NFL is prepared for 200 million people to watch on, on Sunday. And, and it, w- that would be like 85 million more people than watched last year's Super Bowl, right? This could be monumentally, um, how, what's even the right word? The, the viewership's going to be monumental. Like this is going to be probably the most watched Super Bowl of all time. And it's because Taylor Swift is going to be there. I have learned a lot about Taylor Swift uh, because of her connection to this year's NFL season. And personally, I really like Taylor Swift. Like I've really, I've come to really appreciate her. She's a really good role model for young women. She's kind of awesome. Like I want to be, let's, let's step back for a minute about Taylor Swift. First of all, um, she's brought so many women to football. Like so many people I know now are paying attention to football that I didn't even think cared about football six months ago. So Taylor Swift to me has been good for football and more people are engaged with the NFL because of her. That's kind of awesome. But on top of that, if I told you that Isaac Schaumler dated actresses, supermodels and pop stars, you'd be like, dude, Zach, Zach's kind of killing in a life. He's dating really, really incredible women. If I was dating like swimsuit models and Zendaya and I don't know, um, Halsey, you'd be like, wow, Zach and the dating game has been killing it the last couple of years. Now flip the script. That's what Taylor Swift has done. She's dated actors, models, and musicians, like really, really famous, really, really cool people. For some reason, Taylor Swift gets criticized as, oh, she dates around too much. She can't commit all this stuff. When the reality is, and there's a song about it called um, The Man, where Taylor Swift literally the line says, if I was a man, I would be blah, blah, blah. She's, if I was a man, I'd be the man, basically, is the, the song's point. And she's like, she talks about Leonardo DiCaprio and says, I, I'm basically Leonardo DiCaprio, but I'm a woman, so I get attacked and hated for it. As I look at Taylor Swift objectively here, good role model, has a really cool dating life, which if, if it was me, I'd be like, yeah, dude, I, you're a badass. You date really cool people. And there's no heinous mistakes. Oh, yeah, by the way, the music is good. <laughs> like, you may not, I don't know. I think the Taylor Swift music's pretty good. So my point here is this. Um, well, what is my point? Honestly, it's this, that I think Taylor Swift has been really good for NFL football. Brought more eyeballs to the game than ever before. And I, all of the criticisms and reasons to hate Taylor Swift don't make sense to me. I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan. I can't name you all her songs. I know like my, my favorite song is The Man because it's, it, I'm like, oh, that's, she's just right. Go listen to it. It's really cool. But I, I just, I fundamentally do not get the hatred and the anger for Taylor Swift. It doesn't make sense to me. And uh, I want to challenge anyone who, I don't need you to love Taylor Swift. That's fine. I don't even love Taylor Swift. She's just, she's interesting. But if you're going to attack her and hate on her, I encourage you to evaluate why you don't like Taylor Swift. Just double check. Do a little discount, double check. Make sure that you're, you don't like her for reasons that make sense. Because a lot of the reasons that have been presented to me, reasons to not like Taylor Swift, they don't make sense to me. I go, ah, all right. I don't get it. I don't get why you hate her. She's, she's kind of interesting. And if I had a young daughter, which I, I think someday I'm going to have kids, um, if I have a daughter someday, her watching Taylor Swift and following what she does I'd be okay with it. Like, yeah, she's a good role model. It's better than so many other examples of, of humanity uh, 
throughout our pop culture. So I don't know, man. I, I really don't get the Taylor Swift hate at all. Okay. Super Bowl's on Sunday. Snacks are going to be awesome. I'm going to my dad's. We're going to have nachos and wings. Uh, I'm going where I live here in this house is going to be a massive Super Bowl party. So I'm noping out. I'm like, I don't want to be part of the party. I want to watch the game. I want to take notes in my nerdy little notebook, my composition notebook. I want to watch and not be bothered by conversation about nonsense. I don't want to be, I, I hate when you watch football. Like whenever you watch a Super Bowl, people ask really dumb, annoying questions that I don't want to answer. So I just, I nope out. I don't, I don't do it. Go to my dad's. It'll be me, my dad, my stepmom, their tiny little dog. And then at halftime, uh, the girl I'm seeing is going to come uh, for the second half. And she's really excited for football. By the way, I'm dating a girl who cares more about the football part than the halftime show, which says a lot to me. Like, she's a huge Duck fan, loves football. She's been to some really big, high-profile football games before and, like, really, really into football. And I'm like, wow, I've never, ever dated someone who liked football before. Very refreshing. Very cool. She's coming for the second half, going to meet my dad and my stepmom. That'll be really exciting and really fun. Um, and the silver lining of this entire Super Bowl to me since the Rona happened in 2020, um, and even a little bit before that, the world is getting very, um, I would say, culturally sensitive, maybe is the right way to put that, where commercials haven't been very fun. It's been a really, really um, – Super Bowl commercials have been dog shit for the last couple of years, in my opinion. Like, not interesting, very safe, not very funny. No one's been taking risks at all. It's February 7th, 2024, and I think that – Things are changing. I think we're headed back in a new direction where we're going to have fun Super Bowl commercials that are interesting and entertaining and fun to watch and fun to listen to. And uh, I don't know. I've got a lot of hope for this year. I think that the the game is going to be great. It's going to be close and competitive. I think the 49ers are going to win. I will be watching the halftime show. I think it's going to be really interesting and fun. I'm going to be glued to my TV for four hours all day on Sunday. And... I don't even want to go pee because I think the commercials for the first time in a couple of years are going to be fun and interesting as well. So I just want to say, but you know, little salute guys, enjoy it. Enjoy all of it. We're not guaranteed very much in life. And I think Sunday, we're basically guaranteed four hours of really, really good fun entertainment. And, uh, when's the last time you were able to say that where you're like, I know for sure. I'm going to really enjoy this day a lot. Like, I, I don't know. I, you can't do that very often. You can try. And, and I mean, often enjoying stuff is just a choice. But man, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, Sunday is going to be really fun and really, really enjoyable. And uh, I can't wait for it. I hope you feel that same way too. Let's end today's show with questions from Patreon. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. Patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. You can donate more if you want to. Please do. Um, it. Someone got mad at me for saying this. It literally does pay my rent, um, but it does. Someone got mad at me. It actually does pay my rent. Someone didn't like that I said that, but it is true. Um, and I don't know. It, it, I, I, it's interesting how much people speak to my life and my financial situation without knowing me, without knowing the, the obstacles in my way. And uh, it's okay. But it, Patreon, if you support me on Patreon, you're really legitimately very much helping me in my life. And uh, I appreciate it. So I, I don't know. It, it's, I, I was, I was surprised when someone got mad at me for saying about last week, something I've been saying for years, it's still true. Uh, and it makes a difference. It makes my life easier and better. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, anyway, 
Uh, Jake writes in, first write-in of the day. Jake says, sorry to get all sappy. And he says soppy, but I think he meant sappy, but maybe he meant soppy. So sorry to get all soppy. Did you mean sappy, Jake? But I want to share this. Jake says, I don't have a whole lot of other than my dad right now. But to be honest, that's more than enough. He's fucking awesome. Pardon my French. We don't really have any plans for the Super Bowl. So I think we're probably going to unmount the TV on his bedroom wall and bring it to the living room so that we can have one TV for the game and another to play some video games together and make a freezer pizza. That's exactly what we did for the conference championships, and it was a blast. My dad knows I listen to SOS and how much I love it. But whenever I turn it on in the car or something, when he's with me, he acts like it's just some weird podcasting with some kid online who probably doesn't know what he's talking about. The other day, though, I heard your, I heard your voice from outside my room. Weirdest feeling ever, by the way. And I realized... My dad was listening to the most recent episode of Strong Opinion Sports in his room. I haven't mentioned anything to him yet, but for some reason, it just felt awesome to hear him listening to something I like on his show. If you end up reading this on the show, and my dad happens to be listening, I love you, dad. Damn, that's awesome. I really, really, really love that. Um... I've talked, Jake has been on the show. He's had a, an interesting journey. You know, he, I would say the best way without sharing lots of details is that Jake really put his life back together. And uh, he's had a lot of obstacles that were not his fault that made his life very challenging. And I, I see this, this little story of Jake and his dad coming together and it's kind of them against the world, man. Like the, these two guys um, seem to have a really cool relationship. And Jake and Jake's dad, if you're listening, Jake's dad, I'd love to meet you, man. It would be so, I, I know you guys live in the Denver area. I would love to come to Colorado and buy you guys dinner. It's the least I could do because you guys have provided me for some, with so much. And um, I just really like, man, your dad seems awesome. Again, I get the vibe. It's us against the world. We're doing everything we can to make it. And uh, man, I just really am rooting for both of you guys. And uh, if I can ever meet you, Jake, we've already talked. We've done... FaceTime talks or whatever. I'd love to meet your dad. It'd be so fun. We can have a freezer pizza and play video games. That would be a blast. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are into the jazz cabbage, but I am. And that would be a jazz cabbage, some video games and pizza would be an awesome night. Uh, I don't want to invite myself to your house, but that would be a good time. But either way, man, like I really, um, Jake, I hope you have the best Super Bowl ever with your dad. I think you know this, but I think the audience should hear, man. Like those moments with people you love are, are not guaranteed in life. My brother died very young, way younger than I expected. Uh, and every time we have a big event like a Super Bowl, I really miss him. And I, I really didn't expect him to be not a part of this. You know, I'm 26 years old. I thought he'd be a part of my life. Um, and in fact, tomorrow is the eight-year anniversary of Zane's death, my little brother, which is, it's been, it's, it's wild um, that it's, uh, he, he'd be, it's, it's crazy uh, that he's been gone that long. Um, and it, he's with me every day. I really I carry that with me. Um, and so I just encourage everyone out there on Sunday and not just on Sunday, man, every time you get to spend time with their family. Like I do family dinner every Wednesday night with my family. Um, and I, every, every time we're all in the room together, I just look around and I go, I get goosebumps and I feel like, man, like I'm so lucky to be here in this moment with all these people. And it's really special and really cool. And I just encourage you when you spend time with your loved ones, um, enjoy those moments. And to me, 
my life has shifted so much from what it used to be. That that's what life's about. Is those moments with the people you love. Those are the like people are the most irreplaceable thing in your life. And uh I don't know, man. I really, really am happy for you, Jake. Hope you enjoy Sunday with your dad. And and that goes out to everyone watching football with their family on Sunday. Enjoy that time. Be a peacemaker rather than a, a troublemaker. And uh, just have a good time with your family members, man. It, it's uh, it's an achievable thing that not everyone can do. Some people's families really suck, but do the best you can and enjoy the time you get because you're not guaranteed very much of it. Um, I'm going to take a sidebar here. Justin's the next write-in. But I got a, a write-in from Josh. Josh says... Hey, Zach, love the show. You've gone through so many life changes in the last couple of years. What is your mindset now? Any philosophies that you have found helpful? Thanks for all the great content, Josh. So I talked earlier on the show um, that it's been a, like, I, I really should. Uh, I do a, a podcast now with my friend Austin. And... I am very much like a writer, a person who journals and does lots of stuff. Austin is not a writer or a journaler. He just reacts to life and he's, he's, he doesn't need, like his, he's got a good life. He doesn't need to like overthink it. Um, but I, I should sit down and write out a list of all the things I've done in the last, I could do eight years, but really the last four years, probably like all the major events and the places I've moved. I haven't lived in the same place for more than a year in like five years. It's been really crazy. And, uh, it would be really interesting to go down the list, but I, I think people, I'm not very open about what's gone on in my life financially, emotionally, uh, dating, personal life. All it's been such a tough roller coaster, and I don't, I don't, I, I try to protect people in my life. I also don't want to just spill my guts every week. I feel like I already talk too much about what goes on in my life, um, but it's it's been fucking hard. It's been a lot of really hard things, some that I caused for myself and some problems that I didn't choose that just happened to me. It's been all bad and really painful. Um, and this is this moment in my life right now, uh, 26, I'm, I'm going to be 27 in March and I've got a good job. Uh, the podcast is going well and, uh, I've done a lot of work on my own to go to therapy and make a budget and plan lots of stuff. And, uh, I've done the hard work, I think of solving problems in my life that were really holding me down. And it's it, the results have been that I'm I'm doing really well, and I've got a lot of hope and, and joy, um, and uh, life is probably the best it's been in probably probably ever actually. Like straight up, uh, the only moment in my life that was maybe better was right as I was becoming a full time YouTuber. Um, there was like a brief period where things were great, but they weren't very stable either. They were like it was a high high in the roller coaster, but it wasn't going to last very long, and so. I think I've built a a peaceful, sustainable, stable life that I've never really had ever, ever in my 26, almost 27 years on planet Earth. So things are good. Here's my here's my advice to you, Josh. My advice, my thoughts, whatever. I saw a TikTok. <laughs> it was actually, it was an Instagram reel, but it was a, a kid that I think was like 20 years old who shared philosophy that helped me actually. He said, and it's it's crass, it's... It's uh, it's not politi politically correct, but it helped me. He said, here's the thing that really helped me. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> and what that means is um, when you're in bed, because I get up at five in the morning for bed. I, go, I leave my house at 545 every morning. 
do you think I want to get up out of bed at five in the morning? I do not. I do not want to get out of bed. It's cold. It's dark. I want to lay in bed for another two hours every morning. But then I go to myself, well, don't be a bitch. Get up. And I do. Uh, today at work, I was building, uh, we had, we didn't have an install today. So I was just messing around in our shop, like organizing things. And we were building a shelving unit to house um, a lot of our supplies. And one of the brackets didn't work. So I had to drill a hole with a grinder uh, to create a new a new inlay for the, the clamp that holds the shelving, uh, the weight of the shelf across. So I had to grind into the metal and create a new gap. Not a hole with a drill, but like a long, thin hole. And uh, I, I put my safety glasses on. I've never used a grinder before. I, I've always let my partner do it. I'm by myself. I drill with the grinder. It makes sparks fly everywhere. It's loud as all get out. It scares me, but I keep doing it. And it was one of those moments where I like, don't be a bitch. Just do it. And that that phrase, don't be a bitch, <laughs> is stupid. But it, it basically to me means like don't be afraid. Stop being unconfident. Whatever the hard thing is that's keeping you from where you need to go and where you are, do it. Whether that's committing to something or finishing something or um, getting out of bed, getting out of the shower because you're warm in the shower and you know it's cold outside of the shower, using a grinder, uh, moving back home, like everything recently for me uh when i have a, a tough moment where i'm scared or not very confident i tell myself don't be a bitch and it really really helps me so um that's kind of my my basic philosophy like i'm trying not to overthink life I'm trying to enjoy the things as they come and i'm trying to not be a bitch when i when i need to buck up and do what needs to be done and uh the result of that has been a much better life like uh in october I went to therapy and it was really, really helpful. Very painful, very difficult. And it was October, November, December were like some of the most painful uh, probably parts of my entire life because I was starting to deal with things that I've been avoiding for years and years and years. And when I went to therapy and it got tough, I told myself, hey, don't be a bitch. <laughs> and it really helped. So um, whatever that, there's a softer way you want to put it. Don't be afraid. Stop being unconfident. Being a bitch just is something that feels universally applicable, and it could mean so many different things depending on the moment, so it really works for me. But whatever you need to tell yourself to get yourself to do difficult things um, or things that scare you or challenge you or make you uncomfortable, do them because they really help. And uh, that dumb little phrase has made a huge difference for me. And actually, if you want to write in on Patreon and end every write-in with, yeah, don't be a bitch, I would, I would enjoy that. We can make that part of the show if you want because it's, it's really become my mantra. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's legitimately really helped me in my, <laughs> my dumb little life. Um, thanks for writing in Josh. Justin writes in, gosh, I should drink some water. Um, Justin says, sup Z money. I've been living in Japan for the last 12 years and the Super Bowl for me is one of the biggest connections to my home and culture. Every year for the game, I go out of my way to buy all of the American food I can get. That means I have to go to the foreign grocery store and pay ridiculous prices for the simple things that everyone in the States take for granted. I always invite all the other Americans I know over to my house and we all get drunk at 8 a.m. Funny side note, one year my wife, who was Japanese, needed me to do something that day. When she talked to the people I needed to go see, she mentioned that I would be drunk at 8 a.m. that day and they wanted to see me uh, and they all laughed at her, LOL. Every year for the game, I make sure I get Doritos, a ton of food, and American beer. That's about all I can really get over here, but it's enough to make me feel somewhat like home. Justin, I didn't know you lived in 
Japan. That's that's kind of crazy. To me, 12 years means you probably, and you're married to a Japanese woman, you're probably fluent in Japanese. Um, and Justin, you're very cultured. I would love to talk to you, like m- maybe come on the other podcast with me in Austin to talk about Japan. It would be so interesting to hear your stories. Like you are monumentally so much more interesting than I ever would have thought. Um, not that, actually, to be honest, like I don't even care. I should really just have lots of people from Patreon on the show to talk about their lives. It'd be really fun if they're willing to. Because even you could even find someone interesting in Iowa. I have no doubt. If you live in Nebraska or Iowa, surely your life is still interesting. But no doubt, Justin, living in Japan, watching football, I'm kind of envious. J- Japanese culture is really cool. Kind of brutal in some ways, but the food is awesome. It's very clean. Japan and Hawaii have uh, a lot of similarities and lots of roots and ties to each other. So I was exposed to lots of Japanese culture there. Fuck, Justin. That's really cool. So I hope you enjoy your American food, your Doritos on, on the game on game day. 8 a.m. getting drunk. And uh, well done, man. Tip of the cap. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday in Japan. And uh, that's pretty awesome. Lucas writes in and says, Hey, Zach. At your recommendation, I am rereading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Hell yeah. Great book. I, I've read the book five times. I'm reading for a sixth right now. It's uh, every time. That book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, is like my Bible. I love it. I read it all the time. It's so helpful to me. Uh, Lucas says, I've got two questions for you. I don't know if I'm going to read both of them. He says, firstly, with the Senior Bowl underway and the draft season heating up, how do you feel about some of the top college quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., any gems? I'm not going to answer that because I that requires so much more research to even give you a good answer. So we'll not answer that one. But the next question Lucas has is he says, I'm hosting my first Super Bowl party this year. I need to and I need to ask you, what snacks and appetizers are must-haves? What are skips? Thanks, brother. Lucas, the thing you have to have. You have to have this. The seven-layer bean dip, man. Like that is. You get a, a, when I was in Hawaii, we had a lot of it with every little barbecue we had. Um, that That's like the right person who isn't, if you're, if you're, how do I say this properly? There are some people out there who are picky or intimidated by certain foods and may not find the food they want. Everyone's going to like the bean dip. If you're the person who's like, I don't know about me, I don't know about this, the bean dip you're going to gravitate towards, it's going to take care of you, it's going to be good. You got to have bean dip. Um, as far as drinks, like, I, I can't plan your party for you, man. I have no idea. If I was planning a party, I would have a mix of um, like a, probably fun ciders and then boring beers like Coors or Bud Light or something like cheap, normal beer, then fun ciders, uh, bean dip for sure, probably wings, uh, like a fruit bowl for fruit people out there. I'm, I'm a fruit person, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer your question very much, but the bean dip is like, that's my favorite thing at almost every Super Bowl party is the bean dip is usually always interesting and good and such a reliable thing that delivers almost every time. Any big skips? I don't know. Is there anything I would skip on Super Bowl Sunday? I, I really can't think of anything that I wouldn't want to have at a, at a Super Bowl party. Like, In fact, I really like when people have outside-the-box foods, like random things. They're like, I would not have expected you to have, I don't know, um... A McDonald's platter, like whatever the fuck. I don't know. Wait, just sometimes you go to a Super Bowl party or some kind of get together and you're like, oh shit, I didn't know that could be at a party like this. That's very cool. I'm trying to think of an, an, an idea. I can't think of one. Pizza is an easy one. Pizza feeds a lot of people easily. Um, although, if you're going to do pizza at a Super Bowl party, do not, 
fucking do not order pizza that day. I feel bad for the delivery guys, the people that work at Pizza Hut and Papa John's and stuff on Super Bowl Sunday. If I were you, I would do like a take and bake the day before or even or even like Friday, right? Go to Safeway or Winco or whatever and go get a oven-made pizza that you can make yourself that day. That way you're not... Look, man, I, if you order pizza before Super Bowl, uh, before a Super Bowl on, on Sunday, you're probably going to get it, but it, they're so backfilled with so many orders. I wouldn't want to add to that. I would want to just have control and have my own pizza already in my freeze, freezer or in my fridge that I can cook myself so that you're not at the risk and the mercy of delivery men uh, on on Super Bowl Sunday. Gabe writes in. Gabe says, Hello, macaroni and Zach cheese. Terrible. Gabe, what are you doing? It's Zacharoni and cheese, not macaroni and Zach cheese. You got it wrong, but I love you, but you did get it wrong. Gabe says, Firstly, I want to open this by asking about your thoughts on the Mike McDonald hire. We already talked about it. Uh, and, and Gabe continues and says, Although it was sad to see Pete Carroll go, I think this is the best direction for the franchise, especially considering dealing with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan twice a year. Instead of going with a young offensive coordinator and trying to fight fire with fire, we got a giant bucket of water instead. This division is going to be a battle with two young offensive minds and two young defensive minds. It's going to be fun to watch how it plays out in the coming years. To your request, my Super Bowl traditions is that my family gets together and we get a bunch of snacks. My favorite are wings and have a good time. I know that's kind of a basic answer, but it's such a fun time and I look forward to it every year. Thanks for being so awesome, man. Glad to have you back in the Pacific Northwest. Gabe, I'm coming to Seattle uh, March 1st. Me and my, I wouldn't call her my girlfriend, but we are seeing each other. She's going to come meet my mom. She's very cool. I'll be in the area. I'm going to meet up with my friend Austin, spend some time with family. If you reach out to me in time, Gabe, we could plan something Saturday or Sunday, the weekend of March 1st. Love to meet you. I know you're in Seattle. Let's do it. Um, and also I, I agree with you. You say that, um, hiring Mike McDonald is the best direction of the franchise. I actually totally agree. I really like Mike McDonald. He's stable, a good young defensive mind. I think can get the best out of their roster. Yeah. I, I think Mike McDonald, awesome hire that I feel good about. Now we got to end with Gabe. Gabe says, PS, I thought you were working HVAC. Why did you have that yellow kids toy you call a drill? You need to go get yourself a real man's drill and buy a Milwaukee. They outperform dumb Walt in every aspect, and it'll help you get the babes. Signed, someone who is concerned about your image. <laughs> You're a Milwaukee guy, huh, Gabe? Uh, I'm a DeWalt guy. Although, if you look at my toolbox, I got some Milwaukee tools. I got uh, a couple things here and there. But, like, the reality is, where I work, everyone's a DeWalt person. And if you ever work in the trades, it's really helpful to be able to share batteries so given that my family uses DeWalt and everyone at work uses a DeWalt drill, um, being able to share batteries just makes life easier. So I, I didn't want to be the only one in my life with a Milwaukee drill. And also, uh, you're fucking wrong. I, I can't think of a single thing that my DeWalt drill can can do. I can't think, think of a single thing that a Milwaukee drill can do that my DeWalt drill can't. If, if you're buying DeWalt, Makita, or uh, Milwaukee, they're all they're all really, really capable. Those are the only three brands of tool you should buy, in my opinion, other than like, I don't know, simple stuff. If you're buying a, a wrench, like the wrench brand doesn't really matter. Um, but when it comes to power tools, you get Makita, Milwaukee, or DeWalt. But the reality is they all perform about the same. The difference is their batteries. And so uh, I bought DeWalt because it, it's compatible with all the other people in my life and their batteries. But I kind of like the yellow. I'm not going to lie. 
Uh, the red, eh, I don't know. It's just more expensive for like, for what? I don't know. DeWalt is right in the middle price range wise. Um, and uh, I'm a DeWalt guy. So, yep, that's that's my answer. Randolph writes in. Randolph says, hey, Zach, with the Giants having the sixth pick and next year being likely Daniel Jones last year with the team, what should the team do with that pick? Should they trade up since the top three quarterbacks likely won't be there? Or maybe go with the best receiver and possibly get a sleeper quarterback later in the draft? Or maybe trade for a player like Justin Fields? We'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm a long-haul truck driver, and your podcast definitely helps for my long daily trip. So thank you, Zach. Keep making great content. Randolph. First of all, dude, I, I really appreciate you as a truck driver. People have no idea how much... People like truck drivers keep our society like alive and together delivering food and making all the other, connecting all the things we need to buy. So Randolph, I appreciate you. Tip of the cap. Uh, I also used to drive around all day. I was a, um, about this time last year, I was basically a full-time DoorDash driver. I, I did a podcast on the side, but DoorDash is what I did to pay my bills for like a long time. For about a year, I did DoorDash like constantly. I didn't really talk about it because I was kind of embarrassed about it. I'm through that part of my life now. Now I work in HVAC again and we're fine. Um, but, uh, I haven't been full-time YouTube for a long time and, and, and DoorDash split the difference. And I listened to podcasts all day doing DoorDash deliveries and I would do like 10, 12 hour days. So I totally understand what it's like to drive around needing a podcast in your ear or in your, uh, on your dashboard, giving you stuff to listen to and entertain you. And, uh, man, I just, I love you. I appreciate you, Randolph. Thank you. Um, uh, what should the Giants do? I don't mind the Giants trading up uh, from the sixth pick to go get a quarterback. I don't, oh man, I don't know that Jaden Daniels is going to be available at number six overall, but if he is, you should pick him without even a hesitation. Who cares about Daniel Jones? Just take Jaden Daniels and figure it out. Um, If you can trade up, great. I think that Justin Fields in New York would be really interesting. Um, Maybe get the best receiver. I I honestly don't know. I, I, here's where my instinct goes though. The Giants already have a quarterback, Daniel Jones. And unless you can get Jaden Daniels, who I, I really love Jaden Daniels a lot, but I don't think he's going to be available by then, by the sixth pick. Justin Fields, I don't think he fits well in the Giants system and in that city, quite frankly. I like him better in Atlanta, where there's more weapons and more help around him. I would draft Bo Nix out, uh, out of Oregon. I think Bo Nix is a guy you can get in the second round who, he could be good. He could be, he's kind of, he reminds, Bo Nix reminds me of Jalen Hurts, where did a lot of good stuff in college and got better every year and it could continue to get better. Who isn't like a, I, I don't think, look, Jalen Hurts is not the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's really solid and, and really good. I think Bo Nix could be similar to that. And so if I were a Giants fan, I would want my team to draft Jaden Daniels, number six overall, or trade up if he can, or... Get Bo Nix later in the draft if you can. But uh yeah, I I don't know. You're I don't think I don't think the Giants are gonna be able to trade up. And having Daniel Jones, um I think they're gonna figure out how good Daniel Jones is before they do anything else at quarterback. So I I the Giants are not in an enviable position right now. I wouldn't wouldn't want I would not want to be the Giants general manager at all. Final question of the day today comes from Connor. Connor says, Mr. Shomler. Comparing the two Super Bowl teams on a position-by-position basis, it's pretty safe to say that other than Patrick Mahomes over Brock Purdy, 
the Niners hold advantages in most categories other than maybe tight end. A lot of people jump in to say that Travis Kelsey is better than George Kittle, but I personally like George Kittle better at tight end and would rather have him or a tight end like him in my offense if I was offensive coordinator. Who do you think is better? And who would you rather have if you were an offensive coordinator slash head coach? Which tight end, George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, would better fit your scheme? I think George Kittle is better. And I think Travis Kelsey would tell you that as well. Travis Kelsey, when he says George Kittle is the president, the king of tight end you, whatever that word is, I don't think he's lying to you. I think Travis Kelsey knows that George Kittle does more than Travis Kelsey can. Travis Kelsey is an incredible receiving tight end. He creates mismatches when it comes to catching passes. But Travis Kelsey is not a blocker at all. George Kittle is not only a great receiving tight end who can make plays and is a mismatch when it comes to defenders, but also he blocks at an elite level. George Kittle is far and away the best tight end in football. Travis Kelsey's a slow receiver. George Kittle's a tight end. Catches passes, gets in the trenches, can block really well, helps your running game. So George Kittle's a much better tight end in my opinion. That's just honest and true. Um, so yeah, it's, I would want George Kittle because of what he brings to the table other than just catching passes. He can do both and he can do way more than Travis Kelsey can. Although I love Travis Kelsey, like him a lot. I want to end the show this way. Uh, I put it on discord. I put it on Patreon. I asked you guys, Hey, we're heading into film analysis season. And I, I was going to put, um, film into this episode. I I had a plan, but I, I decided not to, I scrapped that idea. Um, but what I am going to do, we're now heading into a different a kind of a different um, era of this show. Strong Opinion Sports is a weekly podcast, right? We'll talk about news. We'll have fun. We'll, we'll do the conversational stuff every every week. But the other product Strong Opinion Sports provides is going to be film analysis. And I am really excited this offseason to do that. Uh, I'm in a position in life now where like I've got some stability. I'm okay. I've got a job I go to every day. Uh, I do the podcast once a week. But when it's slow in the HVAC world, because it's actually pretty moderate right now, I get a lot of time where I have optional days where I can stay home if I want. And I'm more and more going to start taking those days off to stay home and watch film. And I asked everyone on Patreon, hey, which quarterback should I focus on first for film analysis? And I got a lot of responses. A lot of people want a CJ Stroud film analysis, which I agree is going to be really awesome and is going to be probably my second project. Now, film analysis for me, I'm, I'm working two jobs. In my head, film analysis is a third separate job. I, I work in HVAC. I install HVAC units, furnaces, and air conditioning units. And it's, it's a trade, and it's fun. I use tools. It's, it's, I'm good at it. It's intimidating. I, it's a lot of problem solving. I like it. Then I also am a podcast host. That's the podcast. The third thing that's, a, to me, actually just a totally different product and different job is doing film analysis videos. It's a totally different process than making a podcast. Way more research takes forever. I, I can't tell you when they're coming. I can't tell you how long it's going to take me. What I can tell you is that I'm in the best place in my life. I've been in, in years and years. Probably the, I'm the most stable I've ever been since I started Strong Opinion Sports, to be totally honest. And I would really, really like to make film analysis videos. That'd be really fun for me. The feedback I got from everyone was, hey, we want to see CJ Stroud. And I, I hear you. But there was one little comment. A guy said, I'll pull it up if I can. A guy made the point. He said that, look, 
the most imperative film analysis you should work on is Justin Fields. And, uh, oh, my phone's on airplane mode. That's why it's not loading. I was like, why is it not loading? I was freaking out for a second. The number one most important film analysis video for you to get out is Justin Fields. He's the first domino that everything else is going to fall under afterward. Let me pull it up. Exactly. I want to be able to read it. Come on. Of course, my phone isn't loading. I love this. I love this so much. I want to read the, read the comment, though. So, this guy... Um, we're almost there. I would like to know if Justin Fields is actually good or not, but that's not the one. Um, Come on. Okay, Joshua writes in on Patreon. Joshua says... So I put a question on Patreon, which quarterback should I start with for film analysis this offseason? And Joshua replied with this. Justin Fields. Everything from now until the combine draft and into the season will be Justin Fields against Caleb Williams. It will be crucial to start with Justin Fields as this is the first and most important domino for this offseason. I totally 1000% agree with you. And so I'm in a state of my life where I, I don't feel like I can compete with other people. I can't compete with Tom Grassi or Brett Coleman, even my, my buddy Marcus Whitman, that franchise guy. I have the blinders on. I'm doing two jobs already, doing a podcast full-time or doing a podcast once a week, doing a full-time job, HVAC. My third thing is try to do film analysis videos. I can't, I'm not in a space where I feel like I can compete or even can pay attention to what other people do. I'm only focused on myself. Someone else is going to make a Justin Fields film analysis. I have no doubt. They'll probably beat me to it, but I'll make mine the way I view is right. And I, I am excited to dive into film and decide, is he good? Is he not? Why or why not? And show film, show examples, um, and see what the film says. That's going to be my first film analysis of this season is Justin Fields. And uh, who knows when it'll come out? Maybe it'll be an early birthday present, March 16th. Uh, I don't know. But it's, it's now on my radar. Uh, I've downloaded uh, a lot of the film already. And started that process last night. So letting you guys know, openly communicating. Film analysis is on the table. Uh, it's a thing I've been trying to get back, but I frankly didn't have the stability uh, in my life to, to give to you. So I think for the first time in years, you're going to get what you really want, which is a really good film analysis video. It's on my plan. Um, I'm, I'm seeing someone who, uh, the girl I'm seeing is a lawyer. She's very, very successful in life. She's a high achieving person who, um, she told me, you got to watch film, right? She was, she was the person who was encouraging me like, hey, if you can't hang out with me tonight, you you because you got to watch film, do that. Like she's very much encouraging me and uh, it's been good for me. And so uh, people in my life have known, hey, film is a problem for me and they're encouraging me. You got to, you got to focus on film. And so that's really going to help. And I, I really want to give you guys a product you want, but I also for myself, I'm, I'm curious about Justin Fields. So that will be the first film analysis video. Don't know when it's going to come out. But I want you to know I'm working on it. And uh, ah, life's good. Love you guys. I appreciate you. Enjoy the Super Bowl, man. Have so much fun. I want Brock Purdy to win. I think he's going to lose. Enjoy time with the family. Enjoy the halftime show. Enjoy all of it. And for God's sake, don't hate on Taylor Swift. She's done nothing wrong. She's a great role model for young women. And uh, by all accounts, seems like a wonderful, lovely human. So guys, I love you. I appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> but I'm bum. Bam. We are done.